Illumigritchin Nation! This week on Writers Get Animated, Dr. Seuss's Illuminations The Grinch. Stay tuned. Hey, and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and hating Christmas. Um, I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. I, I know that the Grinch in this film doesn't speak in a gravelly, angry voice, but I just ugh, I just had to go for it. But I, know. I channel it. I stand that. <laughs> so today we're talking about Illuminations film, The Grinch. Or is it Dr. Seuss's The Grinch? I think it's either one. It's either Dr. Seuss's The Grinch or The Grinch. But it's definitely not How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It's too long of a name to remember for kids. Yeah. The Grinch. Because that's what it's really about, right? Mm -hmm. It's about The Grinch. The titular character. This is all he ever does. He steals Christmas. You don't need... (laughs) It's redundant to have the whole title. How the Grinch Cooked His Dinner. How the Grinch... I think they're missing out on a major franchise here. I mean, they do Grinch Night from like, I don't know when that was, the 70s, the 60s? The Halloween Grinch special? What? And neither here nor there. We'll visit that in a future (laughs) Halloween-themed episode of Writers Get Animated. So, in our previous season, one of our previous seasons, I can't remember if it was last year or not, but... Previously on Writers Get Animated, we spoke about The Grinch. At that point, there were two. (laughs) Now there are three. So there are some other incarnations of the story of how The Grinch stole Christmas. So based on the book, How The Grinch Stole Christmas, which was written in 1950, well, published in 1957. Yeah, we've had 70 years of Grinching. Yeah. That's like uh, as close to no, not quite. We're we're approaching the point of time where we'll be as far away from How the Grinch Stole Christmas originally being published as How the Grinch Stole Christmas was from Christmas Carol being published. In the coming like 20, 30 years, whatever. But you know, we're close <laughs> to that point. We're we're getting there. Yeah. We're exactly. getting there. Christmas so, is a long beast. when we look at the Grinch and we look at the source material and we look at the different ways that it's been interpreted, um, we are going to possibly mention, because you can't not, the Chuck Jones special, which was done in 1966. Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas! With an exclamation point. Um, Just like the book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas! Um... And then the Jim Carrey starring Ron Howard directed Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. No exclamation point. That was made in 2000. And obviously we keep coming back to this. So there's some kind of Grinch mythos that appeals to people. And what is that? What is that? So I, I feel like today... More than ever, our audience needs to understand what makes the Grinch the Grinch, the story, why do we keep returning to it? Is it worth returning to it? There are a lot of questions that our audiences, audiences, audience, 
listening folks demand of us, especially when we're discussing the Grinch? I mean, I don't know. It's there's a lot. I feel like thematically it fits in into modernity with the theme of the war on Christmas. Um, I think it appeals oh. to a lot of people who feel victimized by the war on Christmas and they want to know that Grinches like me can change. I can't. Don't try to change me. <laughs> I'm an independent Grinch. So when we look at it, so I, I have the source material right here, which I didn't have last time. So How the Grinch Stole Christmas by Dr. Seuss. I'm not going to read the whole thing just so I'm not, but let me. <laughs> this is now story time with Rangers Get Animated. <laughs> <clears throat> so I think in the first two pages, there is a single sentence um, and an ellipse, which is fun. So every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. That's how the book starts. But the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. That's it. That's everything we get. <laughs> That's. That's all it is. And um, I know that a lot of us get our ideas of who the Grinch is based on maybe our own lives and what we think about somebody who hates Christmas. And Dr. Seuss very slyly says, "Um, the Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. Which is for this book, it doesn't matter. He's going to steal it. That it, yeah. It's not. It doesn't matter why. And it's it's a universal theme you can apply to anyone who hates Christmas in your own life. And if you're being read the book How the Grinch Stole Christmas, at least when it's published, it probably assumes you celebrate Christmas. You already identify with the Who's and Whoville. And you're excited about gifts. You're excited about singing. You love everything about it. And you know people who don't. Or you imagine they're out there. The Mackenzie Worrells of the world. (laughs) And part of it, I know that part of it is just this idea of change for two things. Change for the Grinch to come around and have his heart grow because his heart is two sizes too small. I'm not sure what standard they're measuring on, but it is two sizes too small. And the idea that, you know, if you strip away, literally strip away all the trappings, Christmas still exists. Christmas can still happen even without all the gifts and trees and even without the um, roast beast. Mm-hmm. Christmas can still happen. It's the meaning of Christmas. It's the moral of the story. You don't need all the other Christmas stuff that people think of and love. And the Grinch hates. Everyone can agree. We love family and family time. And it starts off defining the Grinch as hating noise. He hates the noise of Christmas and the stuff and the banging. And he hates the singing. And... In some interpretations, well, if we look at the three of them now, and we're going to spend most of our time on the Benedict Cumbergrinch. New Grinch. um, New Grinch. 
Um, we have the Chuck Jones version, which holds very close to the story in terms of what is said and the Grinch's motivation. He just hates it. He may not be even very nice. You see a little bit of cruelty between him and his dog, Max, because he's selfish and just cruel. Um, I think he's much crueler in that than he is in the book. The book, mm -hmm. he's kind of sweet at times. So he has a sweet face. He's really enjoying himself. Um, he's not as evil, <laughs> so to speak. And then we have the Jim Carrey starring version where the Grinch is just angry. Angry and cruel and steals Christmas to get revenge from being bullied. Like you do. Not just bullied as a child, which he was, but also bullied as an adult. So one big thing, being humiliated in front of everybody and then deciding, you know what? I'm going to trash all of this and take it from them. Yeah. But this is also a difference of a TV special versus a movie that have happened in the past. There's, there's a difference between 20 minutes and 85 minutes. And mm -hmm. I definitely want to get, get into that with the new version later. Because, I mean, that's just four times as much drama, Grinchness. And you have to define what went wrong You, in some ways. You have to give him a motivation for hating Christmas, one, and for stealing Christmas, two. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't just, he hates Christmas, he's going to steal it. You have to say, this is why he hates it, and this is why he's going to steal it. Well, it's the difference between a fairy tale and a story. Like a fairy tale, like, cool, no explanation, here's the trope, we're going to roll with it. And in the story, you get the full character arc. And I think that very much the TV special is the fairy tale version of this. Like, this is the Grinch. He hates Christmas. Same with the book. The book is a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of doctors use this fairy tale, though. I would agree with that. Whimsical. Whimsical fairy tales. <laughs> um, so let's concentrate on the new The Grinch film. And, and try to figure out what we're dealing with. What do we have now that Illumination has given us a brand new Grinch film? What what are we doing? What's here? Oh, man. So much. Um, do you want to start with the story or the characters? Because I think there's a lot to pull apart in both. Let's start with the characters. Let's see what choices were made in... The Grinch. I know many people didn't think we actually needed another Grinch film, mm -hmm. but I feel like it's nice to have a full-length Grinch movie that's watchable. Yes, and also, just to preface all this, no matter what you think of this movie, not no matter, most people probably think this is at least okay to good. Um, no matter what we say about this movie, I am so glad that there's a new modern Grinch movie to introduce the Grinch and How He Stole Christmas to a new generation of children who may have never seen any of the old ones. I celebrate the Grinch continuing into infinity. Well said. Thank you. Well said. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I'm, I'm glad. And I believe 
This sounds so ridiculous in some ways, but I mean it. I believe this is the gr- this is the Grinch that we need in 2018. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of that. There's some topical Grinchness. So I just wanted to put that out there, and I don't believe that in any way that it sets itself up as any kind of propaganda or putting anything out there. I just think that it's accessing the Grinch, which I think is a good place to start, from a very authentic place, which isn't always the case in previous incarnations. Wow, you Dr. Seuss that. It's accessing the Grinch from a place which isn't always the case. I didn't realize I did that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Magic can happen. Um... (laughs) Fairy dust. So are characters. Of course, you get the standards of the Grinch because it's a fairy tale provides you with a couple standard characters. The Grinch... His dog, Max, Cindy Lou Who, and the, arguably the narrator. I would agree with that, yeah. Because yeah. I think the narrator's been in every incarnation. I can't quite remember if he's in the Jim Carrey one right now. He is. I think it was Anthony Hopkins. I, we watched this and talked about it, and I'm making a face like... What are you even I'm talking I'm surprised about? about this fact I didn't know. <laughs> <clears throat> So this movie also adds new characters, which I think you have to do when you make a movie out of a fairy tale. Correct. I'm not faulting new characters in any way. Um, So ones that I think are major, probably Fred, the reindeer that the Grinch (laughs) befriends, question mark. Yeah. Um, Donna Lou Who, Cindy's mom, uh, and Bricklebaum, the Christmas loving neighbor of the Grinch. Which I have to say, I don't know why I love Bricklebaum, but every time he was on, I was like, where's his movie? Where's Bricklebaum's movie? I want that movie. (laughs) He's the opposite of the Grinch. He's the Grinch's Joker. He highlights the things in the Grinch (laughs) that we need to know as an audience because he's the exact opposite. (laughs) You can frame a lot of this movie. I mean... Cindy Lou Who is the antagonist of this movie. <laughs> That's just how story works. She is the Grinch's villain. And like any good movie where you're adapting a short source material, this gives us the in-depth origin story of Cindy Lou Who and why she's the antagonist. Which I didn't think of it that way, and that's totally true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For the very first time, we learn about Cindy Lou Who. I did it again! I didn't mean to do that one. (laughs) (laughs) You should have rhymed there, too. Oh, goodness. Anyway, uh, (laughs) yes, Cindy Lou, who gets her due. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not doing this on purpose. I feel like you are. (laughs) Dr. Seuss is with us right now. We're going to, like, start a seance. (laughs) Except the Ouija board's just going to give us nonsense words. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to light a candle. Um, but I, I don't know. So Cindy Lou, who, who gets her due, who gets her due, who is no more than two. Um, that's what it says in the book. I'm just quoting the book. 
Um, she, in, in the Jim Carrey starring version, she was a little bit more prominent and she was the one who, who was against how materialistic things were. So she was more aligned with the Grinch in, Hey, we are going overboard. We're missing what Christmas is really about. So she was more of, um, a foil and less of an antagonist that way. We had a real antagonist, um, which were was the Who Society. Mm-hmm. They hated the Grinch and they were at war with him. And he it was a battle between them and the Grinch. And neither group, the Grinch or the Who's, felt redeemable because it's very hard to redeem the Who's <laughs> in mm-hmm. that sense. But now we get Cindy Lou Who, who is a sister of two young twins who are cute as mittens. I love those kids. And a poor, not poor in terms of money, but poor as in terms of just beaten down in some ways, just overextended mother who's a single mother. Yeah. Which was interesting. It was nice to see Cindy's family and like why she thinks the way she does about Christmas being not the things, but the things are a vehicle for the meaning of Christmas. Right. And she knows that Santa can grant wishes or Santa's the only one who can really help bring her mom peace in a sense and and make her mom feel better. And I don't know if she's like trying to connect to Santa on LinkedIn or what's in her letter really, you know, get her mom a better job, figure something out. But she knows that Santa can fix it because she wants her mom to be happy because all she sees is her mom stressed out in some ways. And what I really like about this depiction of this mother is never anywhere is the mother unkind to her kids. And it's not about a mother who's violent and needs to be changed or fixed. It's just a child who loves her mom and a mom who loves her kids. Mm -hmm. And it's just nice when there is not a made up problem for them in yeah. terms of it's a real family, a real right. who family. Exactly. A who's who of real families. If you will. <laughs> I just, it, I just really appreciated that family. And I know it's hard, you know, as, as a writer, it's very hard to write drama for, and I'm using that because I feel weird saying this, but it's hard to write drama for nice people mm-hmm. sometimes. And you feel like you have to invent something devastating in order for nice people to be in your stuff. You have to write mean people and awful people and give them some sort of transformation somehow or to make them cause drama in their lives. I feel like you're just criticizing the Grinch as a character now. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I mean, mean people are just so much more fun to write. I'm agreeing with you. It's also hard to write nice people, but mean people are fun. I love not kid appropriate at all, but I'd love Patrick Marber's closer because they're so mean and awful, awful, awful people. And I love that. I do love that film and the play. (laughs) That's one of my favorite things in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
<laughs> don't go watch that with your kids. Yeah. 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 It will not make your family closer. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe through therapy. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about the Grinch. Let's let's look at the Grinch. Yes. Yes. I feel like there's so much to be said and I can't articulate hardly any of it. <laughs> One thing that I found interesting, I did see an interview with Benedict Cumberbatch um, where he spoke about the voice he chose for the Grinch. And he tried out a couple different things and he decided that the Grinch had to have an American accent. I mean, that's fair. And it, it's interesting that he would choose that because, I mean, one, he's British, um, but two, that he thought consciously, no, in this case, the Grinch is decidedly American. I mean, it's no I fun just, to be the British villain in a movie full of because of their love of hockey, American or Canadian main characters. True. <laughs> so, so who is the Grinch and what do we, what do we get from this particular Grinch? I mean, he, I feel like he's a little sweeter than, than typical. Yeah. That's what I really loved about this movie and how they portrayed the Grinch was that he was friends with Max, his dog. Like he genuinely cared about Max Mm. He wanted Max to have fun. He asked Max what he wanted to do. And they were partners in this. We see that he is redeemable at the beginning. It's not that he hates everything and is an awful person. He hates this one particular thing. True. Which extends into the rest of his life because everyone else around him loves this particular thing. The thing that I found so amazing and the part that I noticed that was the call made it different than all the other in ones was the, uh, he's trying to get breakfast made in early on. And Max goes to the cupboards and they're empty. And he's like, no, I bought enough that I would never have to go into town until after the Christmas season is over. <laughs> so he's actively thought about how to healthily sort of avoid Christmas by locking himself away and keeping himself there. And he doesn't want to be the bad guy either. Right. He's like, I'm not being rude to them. I want to avoid it. I have to stockpile enough food. That way I don't have to go into town and be around it. Like, I just don't want to be around it. The Grinch really knows his trigger warnings and what to avoid. And it's anything Christmas. And he's healthily putting a barrier between him and those triggers. Oh, it's... I, I was like, this is different. You're respectable, in, in, Mr. Grinch. <laughs> You're respectable. <laughs> um, Mr. Grinch, you really thought this through. <laughs> um, I want anyway. it. <laughs> I, I, but then also there was the great joke. I think it was the biggest laugh for me, which was how much have I been like eating my emotions? And you just see him gorging himself on food. Just like, Plates of spaghetti, just that shot of him just shoveling spaghetti and just the emotionally eating. And I've always wanted to just put my face in a cake and eat my way out. <laughs> I just identify more with the Grinch in this movie, I guess. I mean, more than previous incarnations. I, I did appreciate, though, that he did have some meanness 
of course, because he is a mean one, Mr. Mm -hmm. Grinch. The fact that when he did go shopping, he didn't go out of his way to be completely mean, but he, he wasn't terrible, but he was prodding things when he, when he provoked. Yeah. And, um, you know, little things like eat the pickle and spit it back in the thing and put it in somebody else's cart. Like that's not terrible. He's not, it's not an evil thing. It's just like, yeah, it's a, it's a prank. It's not right. irredeemable. And when mm-hmm. he does try something irredeemable, he humiliates himself. Do you want to say that about some, a little bit more about that? So compared to the Jim Carrey movie, we were talking about how um, the Grinch in that movie is humiliated by the Who Society. Right. And in this movie, it, there's still, it comes to a boiling point where he tries, I forget what he's trying to do, but he's trying to do something with the tree. What's the thing? They're lighting the tree for the first time. I've already right. forgotten. Uh, so lighting the tree for the first time, and then Angela Lansbury gets her like three lines in this film as the mayor of Whoville, <laughs> um, which were well delivered. As only Angela Lansbury could do. <laughs> um, anyway, the Grinch tries to do something, and essentially he falls down through the tree and humiliates himself. I don't think anyone really notices what's going on, but he feels embarrassed because he failed to do something. And this film, as it must do, it answers the question, why this Christmas? If the Grinch has always hated Christmas and we're not doing a fairy tale, we're doing a full story, why has he chosen this Christmas to make us think about it? It's because this time it's three times as big and he tried to stop that, then humiliated himself so he has to go infinitely bigger. And I did appreciate that they used the line from Dr. Seuss, which was, for 53 years, I've put up with it now. I must stop Christmas from coming. But how? But the fact that he um, said, like, he's been putting it, putting up with it for this long, and now this is, this is too far. This is too much. Um, and it's delivered by a brickle bomb and sees. Yeah. They see the, he sees the tree floating by the mountain with the massive star and brickle bomb says something. Hey, Grinchy. Um, and then tries to do something to it and then falls on the switch that turns everything on, which completely stresses him out mm-hmm. and he has to get away from. Uh, if, if the first Grinch is just angry and hates Christmas and the second Grinch as portrayed by Jim Carrey is bullied and reacts out of anger again. So hurt that turns into anger. This which turns Grinch, into the dark side, which <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I said another wise green character, a, <laughs> Which in the book, the Grinch isn't even green. He's just, he's just, he's just. Pen, it's white. like a three-color Doctor Seuss book. It's before he and, got really crazy. <laughs> and then they had um, in this one, it's sadness that the Grinch is acting out of sadness, um, which is interesting for me. I asked 
Um, Jack got to see the movie on a school field trip before I got to see it. So I asked him, I said, well, how was it? Was there anything scary or was there anything, you know, that, that made you feel afraid of things? And he said, no, it was just sad. <laughs> I, like, I mean, that's really? good. It makes the children empathize with the Grinch. It's not just like he's a bad guy, but you understand why he's, I mean, air quotes, the bad guy since he's a protagonist. And I did appreciate that the sadness was dealt with in terms of it's his motivating factor, his sadness, and he's not, I don't know, it's the first Grinch where we understand remorse mm. that doesn't feel like, <laughs> this, this may sound inflammatory for our listeners, but it doesn't seem like a simple two-dimensional cartoon character or, you know, a flat character where he's expressing the reason why he did this was he was trying to make himself feel better. He thought that doing this would get rid of his sadness and it didn't. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, in the execution, there was something a little bit off with it, but in what it was trying to deliver it was, I think it was the right choice. It's the choice that I agree with more. Um, the execution of it feels somehow, I think something was missing. I'm not sure what, but I feel like something was missing from it. But I feel like it was the right decision to say the Grinch's sadness, trying to make himself feel better, and then realizing the error of that choice. Yeah. You know? I tried to hurt other people to make myself feel better. And I don't. Now, that being said, while we really appreciate the direction this went, I think like many Illumination movies, this kind of glosses over those important character moments in favor of getting more jokes in. So I don't know that it... I don't know that this arc lands the way that I want it to, but it is there in the movie and it's the core of the movie. And I appreciate that. <clears throat> yeah, I, I really don't think it does land as much and i think part of it is in the beginning and we just spent a lot of time talking about how much we like the grinch in the beginning we don't there's not he's sad in the beginning he's sad at the end you know like he's acting out of his sadness we don't really see or spend enough time to get a little bit more meat out of that it's just, um, I don't know how to explain it. The, they have the You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch song, because you have to have that somewhere in the Grinch. I don't believe that you have to have that, but I know that people believe that you have to have that song. I agree. I think like any good myth work, it's built on over time with each adaptation. This is the 60s TV special thing that it added to the Grinch story. It's this song. I think that song is also a character in the movie. And But the, the thing was, it's talking about you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. And all he's doing is having his morning coffee. Like he's not... Yeah. He's getting dressed. It's like, oh no, you're a mean one. Like, how? He's not mean. He's just drinking his coffee. If yeah. that makes someone mean, then I suppose I'm a mean one too. Okay. 
it's yes, just I drink as, like, coffee. His his it's his entrance song, and yeah, you don't see you don't see through action at that point in the movie without knowing any of the past of the Grinch. You don't see through action that he's a mean one. And I think for most of the audience of this movie being too young to have seen any of the other previous Grinches and probably don't read the book anymore. Um, they don't see that before they hear the song. It's just like exposition. It's exposition. That's why we don't like it. Mm-hmm. Well, the, in the, I think we talked about this last time in the Chuck Jones, you're a mean one. Mr. Grinch was while he was stealing Christmas. Yeah. It's like, look at the awful thing you're doing. It highlights like a good musical when the characters can no longer speak how they feel, they sing. Like, you're doing such an awful thing. Look at you. You're disgusting. You're trash. You're worse than trash. Um, you're, you really are a heel. That whole thing while he's stealing Christmas. Then in the Jim Carrey version, it's during him preparing to steal Christmas. Maybe it's him psyching himself self up. You know, I am, because he does sing it himself. It's Jim Carrey's voice. You know, you're a mean one. Come on, let's get mean. Let's go steal Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> let's get this going. And then this is just, yes, you're intrinsically mean from the beginning. <laughs> from the get-go, you are a mean, terrible person, even though we see no evidence of that. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's not even mean to Bricklebaum in the beginning. Like he's, he's totally not. friendly to Bricklebaum. It's Bricklebaum is just as Ned Flanders. Like I don't want to talk to you for any longer than I have to, but I know that by engaging with you, I'll be starting something bigger. So let me just say like, uh huh, yeah, okay, and walk away. But that's not even mean. Like the lyrics of the song and the lyrics that are sung, saying like no one wants to touch him with a twenty foot pole, and then Bricklebaum's like, hey Grinch. How are you doing, neighbor? It's good to see you. And even other people that are shopping with him aren't like, oh, gosh, oh, you're disgusting. Get out of here. Why are you even in Who Foods? And I, I don't mind the updated version of the song necessarily. It's, I think, where it was placed in the movie that I have issues with. Mm-hmm. And I I am one of those people. I think this is a core part of the Grinch story now, and I like to have it in all the Grinch adaptations, but... I think in this particular movie, if my choice was having it at the beginning as his theme song as it is done or not in this movie, I would have been fine not in this movie. Because they have a new song that they do for the stealing Christmas scene. Mm-hmm. Which I forget what it is off the top of my head. But it was fine, and it worked. It did work. I would have taken You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, the theme, as score music instead of with lyrics because because the lyrics showed nothing of that mm-hmm. the lyrics were not on display for what the grinch that we were given you're true so, yes you are you are true i am true you are true <laughs> uh yeah i agree if the theme was there adults would know what it meant without saying the opposite of what's happening on on the page um and yet we could still get the full song on like the CD soundtrack release. They do that all the time. Yeah, do it during the... Um, or the credits. Credits, yeah. Yeah. Have Bennett Gumberbatch sing it. That works. I don't know this... what his voice is like. As the Grinch or just as Benedict Cumberbatch? As Benedict Cumberbatch singing. 
that could work. No, I, I don't. I don't mind the version that we have. I don't mind the actual song. No, I don't. Yeah. I just don't like its placement in terms of character and story. I don't yeah. think it fits. And I was trying to. I was having a hard time re- recognizing. It took a while afterwards before I realized what was rubbing me the wrong way about its placement. And it, was, it just doesn't fit. There's something that doesn't fit about it. I think that was it. I agree. I didn't know what I didn't like either until you pointed out like, oh yeah, that's it. That's, <laughs> that's what it. doesn't work. <laughs> that, that being said, if you had to rank the Grinches, the three of them in terms of trueness to the story and enjoyability. This one, I think transcends the Jim Carrey one easily. Oh yeah. I believe for me, it's probably mostly nostalgia reasons that Chuck Jones is battling with it in terms of which is better in terms of depiction of the Grinch. I think it's more nostalgia yeah, the Chuck Jones one, this is really hard for me to say, isn't perfect, but I also really like it. Um, I think for many kids seeing this version, the 2018 version for the first time, this may be the most perfect Grinch to them, even if they see the other ones. And mm-hmm. that's okay. I won't fight that. I respect that opinion. I think it, it's nice to have a a more human Grinch. I think it's nice to have more, which is interesting since the Grinch was played by a human once, um, but also a more human Whoville mm-hmm. that, that feel like characters, even though we don't get a lot out of them, even though, you know, people like Bricklebaum aren't rounded into full characters, I still feel like they're still you get a society there and it's good people. You're like, Oh, okay. This is, this is okay. It's not infested with, you know, the people of the year 2000 who were materialistic and, (laughs) you know, rude to the Grinch for no reason because he was different. You know, it's a different world now. Yeah. What I, what I really, I agree. What I really liked about this in this particular interpretation. Also, I have a lot of things that I like. I just need to get them all out. Um, yeah, well, the Who's were inventive, and they brought that into the daily life of the Who's and how the town worked, which is really mm. cool. It was never over the top. They didn't have this complete fantasy Christmas that the Grinch dreaded in um, the Chuck Jones version. Mm-hmm. And all the most Chuck Jonesy, Dr. Susie things that are displayed that are related to Christmas in the movie are either the Grinch as a kid desiring that for Christmas or the Grinch as an adult fearing that for Christmas. His fantasy Christmas is all that who's it, what's it, thingamabobber, how flam bam boozles. That's all fantasy. And real Christmas is drones and video games, which they specifically call out in the movie, probably to relate to kids, but that makes it real. <laughs> it's not a drone wazzle with its automatic who dicker. It's a drone. Yes. It's not fantasy. You're right. It's <laughs> it's it's grounded. I mean it's, it's flying. Grounded. True. <laughs> uh, 
Well done. Uh, I, did I did appreciate that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I just did appreciate a lot of the humor and the design. Um, like I said, Bricklebaum, I, I just, I was just excited every time he came back on screen. I didn't know what to make of Fred the reindeer, but I didn't not like him. It was, at first I felt like Fred was unnecessary because like knowing the story of the Grinch, like Max is going to lead the sleigh. That's just what it is. You see it in the trailers too. Like, cool, mm-hmm. Max will be key. Like, oh, why is Fred a character in this movie now? But in addition to adding things and runtime to the movie and funny moments, um, where I thought Fred was key was it showed for the first time the Grinch being kind to someone that he didn't know before and respecting family before mm-hmm. he did all the Christmas stuff. He's already friends with Max, and then he basically kidnaps Fred and then becomes friends with Fred. So you see that capacity for change. He has done mm-hmm. it. He does it in the movie. He will do it again. It's a three-part story for me of family and friendship. Mm-hmm. So by the time the Fred story was over, it's like, yeah, I like this. This needs to stay. Mm-hmm. I see where we were going with this. It it felt like an unnecessary joke to begin with, and then it just became central. Mm-hmm. Which might have been the, the scripting process, and that's fine. That's how scripting processes work. <sighs> so um, what else do we have to say about um, this particular version of The Grinch? I know we... We like it, and I know it's gotten some mixed reviews, which I cannot slightly understand because it's the third version of something. Mm-hmm. So people are comparing it to, <laughs> I say people, and we've been comparing it to <laughs> the other versions of The Grinch, but I think it, we're doing it more for juxtaposition, and other folks are doing it as reasons that they don't like this one. Yeah. It's don't listen to the mixed reviews. Um, Like all Grinches, this one isn't perfect, but I think some Grinches are less perfect than others. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's a lot that's done. One of the main themes you've seen in the reviews is this doesn't add anything, and I disagree. I think this does add stuff and makes good choices and leaves its mark on the Grinch mythos. Mm. Recommended. Stamp of approval. Kadunk. Kadunk. <laughs> I guess that's our thing now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I, I totally agree. I'm glad to have a live, um, not live, a full length <laughs> Grinch um, to share with my family and to make a whole evening of something that's not the Jim Carrey version. I'm glad that I can pretend like that wasn't a thing. Despite talking about it for 45 minutes with me. Exactly. (laughs) It can go. I I just, it's. The, the Jim Carrey one. I didn't feel good after it. You don't feel good and happy. Like, oh, yay. You know, it's not because it's not about redemption and it's not about joy and it's not about understanding 
togetherness. That's not what it's actually figuring out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the Chuck Jones one is sweet, but it's you don't get a lot there. It's fairy tale sweet, as you were saying. And then this one, I don't know. I felt really good after it. Yeah, I, I felt good. You could say it's heartwarming or heart growing. Yes. I don't know if it's two sizes, but it is definitely hard growing. It grew at least another additional half size. So, Mackenzie, did you have any favorite things, or what was your favorite thing from? I I do. I have a favorite thing, um, as I always do, as we always do. <laughs> uh, for me, I I'm a sucker for slapstick and visual comedy, and I love that at the beginning we get the setup of. Max the dog's Rube Goldberg machine for making coffee that he's to climb up and hunch down on to squeeze the coffee out. And then after the Grinch has befriended Fred, we see Fred, perhaps randomly, perhaps curiously, climbing up the same coffee contraption despite being like a hundred times too large for it and delicately balancing on it. And we see Max see him on top of this coffee machine. You fear like, oh man, this coffee's about to get ruined. The Grinch is going to Grinch out. It's going to be awful. It's going to be mean. And then Fred delicately steps onto the top of the French press and it squeezes out the coffee. Everything's fine. He's just taking Max's place. (laughs) And the joke is completely pulled out from under your feet. It's a different joke entirely. No words involved. All visual. I loved it. (laughs) Chris, what is your favorite thing? For me, my favorite thing is also something that was imperfect, but I loved what it did and what it was saying. The the speech that the Grinch gives to the Who's when he's returning their stuff. He comes down, and it's not this um, joyous thing of... I mean, he does blow a trumpet, mm-hmm. but it's not like this joyous, here you go, I've saved Christmas, here, have your stuff back. It's, here it is, I'm the one that did it. Yeah. And it's it's going to the reality of that situation. Imagine if the person who robbed you came back with your stuff. You're not going to be grateful to that person. You're going to be mad. You're going to be mad. And the Grinch realizes that. And the filmmakers realize that. And you get to see the Grinch have what he hasn't had expressly, which is remorse and telling them, why he did it. Mm-hmm. So you get this confession and the fact that the who's invite him into their homes after that. It's, I think that's another thing that makes me feel good is just redemption. And here's the forgiveness and the welcoming back. It's fine. Come have dinner with us. Like it's not this angry thing. It's not the, we hate you. And you know, now we love you. It's this, you were never unwelcome here. We understand it. Just come back. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Just come back. It's like the parable of the lost son. Mm. Okay, I keep liking it more each each time we talk about it. So I think <laughs> I might have to go see it again. Yeah, there's a lot to <laughs> like. Theater. Maybe next year. I can wait till next year to watch it again. <laughs> Shall we talk homework time? Let's.
for your homework. Next time, check out Wreck-It Ralph. Ralph Breaks the Internet. Or is it Ralph Breaks the Internet, Wreck-It Ralph 2? I don't know how they're marketing. I feel like it's they keep saying Ralph Breaks the Internet. I think it's just Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah, so... There's no two in the name. So next time we'll talk about, do you need a two to be a sequel? Who knows? <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> As always, we want to say thank you to Nigel Cortino, our sound engineer, and thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can find us on Twitter at WG Animated and on Facebook, facebook.com slash WG Animated. Um, and just find all of our show notes in whatever podcast service you use it's there with links <laughs> and if you want to tweet at us to argue about which grinch you prefer you can do it in gif form gif form only from the respective grinch that they think is best yeah that I've, i assume that was assumed implied yes well you can't say we didn't tried I'm trying to rhyme. That's the I theme. See. Okay. I, I felt your effort and I accept it. <sighs> this is a missed opportunity. It was clever to. You saw my effort. It was clever. To... I was going to think of a rhyme for that, but I didn't. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>